Hello and welcome to the Glasgow Triathlon Club podcast. Kate Pearson is taking a well-deserved break, but she will be back. So instead, you're stuck with me, Ian Todd, for this episode where I will try and learn a little bit about yoga. I'll be ably assisted by Richard Kerr, founder of Fire Yoga, based in Bearsden, and also Nicola Todd McNaughton, who has taught and practiced yoga for a number of years. She is also my wife, so I've been warned not to ask any difficult questions. So what I would say to anyone who's interested in yoga is, you know, don't make an opinion on your first class because there's such a wide scope. You can go to one class that can be really gentle, calming. And it's all about just de-stressing and letting go of tension in your body. We can go to another class that's all about strength, stamina, balance. And there's such a wide spectrum that I think you just need to try a lot out. Find a good instructor. Find what works for you. Find a class that suits your type. And don't get too caught up on the terms and some people are like i'm just this i'm just that for me yoga is just yoga it's just moving it's just breathing it doesn't have to be in a sort of category as long as you're enjoying yourself feeling good afterwards that's all you need to do that was richard carr and one of the key messages like you take from this podcast is that yoga is for everyone but before we start discussing the subject i asked them both had they ever done a triathlon no because i'm a terrible swimmer um but i did do a marathon and I did do a bunch of 10Ks. Um, and I do have a bicycle, which I go out every now and again. So swimming is my weakness. Um, and I am determined to learn it. I ran for, oh man, like 10 years. And then I moved to Australia. And Australia is so flat and so straight that it made running super, super boring that I just gave up. And I haven't really got back into it since. And I do want to get back into it because I'm back living in Scotland. And this is one of the best places in the world for running. You know, forest running, off-road running, absolutely amazing. So I've been threatening to get back into it. And I've said that to you a number of times. I am going to get back into running. I do want to do it again. I've never done an official triathlon, um, but I recently took part in the club's myathlon challenge, um, which I did over in the Caron Valley. Uh, but I wanted to do it my way round, so I did the bike then the run, then the swim, because I didn't want to spend the swim and the run being freezing from the swim. Ah, <laughs> sorry, wrong. I recently, t- I'll start again. Yeah. Um, I've never done an official triathlon, but I recently took part in the triathlon club's myathlon challenge. Um, I did it my way around, so I did the bike, then the run, then the swim, because I didn't want to spend the whole first part being freezing um, and the water was very cold at the end. No one starts off as an expert in any subject, so I was interested to find out what drew them to their first yoga class. There must have been something that drew me to that first yoga class, but I really can't remember what it was. Um, I was at university in Edinburgh and I think it was maybe just this notion that yoga was relax it was a relaxing thing or something that eased stress I think that must have been what took me to my first class but I had no idea what I was going into I thought I was probably going into quite a relaxing style of class but I went into this Ashtanga class it was led by a man there was lots of people there I think there must have been at least 25 or 30 people in the room and they all seemed to know what they were doing and I just sort of muddled along. But I remember it being really quite, um, it was quite intense. There was a lot of adjustments. It was quite um, exerting. I think I'd been quite out of breath um, and coming away and thinking, whoa, that was that was a yoga class. That was quite amazing. I picked up a book for second hand in a charity shop in America and Florida for 50 cents. 
and it was a Bikram's yoga book and I was unemployed backpacking around America and I thought I'll give this a wee go because I'm sitting around all day looking for jobs that I wasn't getting and uh, I did like about half an hour or an hour of the exercise and I just felt like oh that felt quite nice actually I quite enjoyed that and um, because we were poor we couldn't afford to go to yoga class so I continued to use this book for about I don't know about six months and I got my wife into it as well going let's just follow this book and eventually we decided well look, we've we've use the book enough we know the sequence good enough let's pay the money and go to a class because like ten dollars or something so we went to our first Bikram's yoga class and that's a hot yoga class the temperature is going to allow you to sweat detox and obviously if you're warmer you can get deeper into the stretches but really i think it just it is a deep you're going to go there you're going to sweat you're going to work every part of your body it's a very very strong physical there's different aspects to yoga like the mindfulness and uh, getting back in touch with your body, which Brickrooms doesn't do so much. But if you're looking for like, a, if you're looking for a full body workout, um, that's I'd recommend that for sure. So my idea of yoga was like calm, relaxed, easy going. This was brutal. Um, I was hyperventilating. I think I must have sweated about two pints of water, and uh, it freaked my whole body out. And the next day, everything was sore, couldn't move, but. It really opened up my eyes to the possibility of yoga, so it was, it was a good experience overall. I know one of the things that confused me when I first started looking at yoga was the variety of classes on offer. So I asked Nick if she could explain what some of the classes are. Bikram yoga is conducted in a room which is heated to 40 degrees Celsius and with a 40% humidity. A set series of 26 poses and two breathing exercises performed in the same order for 90 minutes. So. If you go to one Bikram class in Glasgow or you go to a different Bikram class in London, it will basically be this, exactly the same class. Ashtanga, in a similar vein to Bikram, is a set series of postures. So if you go to an Ashtanga class in one part of the world and an Ashtanga class in another part of the world, um, it will be the same class. Um, it's a very physical practice. So for people who think that yoga is just lying around with blankets on and being all sleepy and gentle, you'll get a very different idea of yoga if you go to an Ashtanga class. Hatha is a practice that I'm not overly familiar with. It's a much gentler and slower yoga class. My mum does a regular Hatha class and she absolutely swears by it. Um, it is not a set series of postures, it's just gen a much gentler style, so it's perfect really for a beginner um, if you're just starting out, if you want a really nice gentle class um, which is relaxing um, and easy on the body. Forest yoga is, contrary to what you might think, it's not yoga done in a forest setting. It's It was actually devised by a lady called Anna Forrest back in 1982. It's known, it, it sort of stands out from the rest It's because it's known for um, a long holding of positions. Um, there's quite a big emphasis on abdominal core work um, and also finding relaxation in very intense poses. It's quite an intense practice. I've, I have um, done a five-day forest yoga immersion. Um, there was lots of handstands and headstands. Um, basically, if you're a beginner, I wouldn't really start out with a forest yoga class. There's two other classes that I've done which are a little bit more unusual um, and just a little bit more fun, if you like. Um, and they are SUP yoga, so stand-up paddleboard yoga, yoga done on a stand-up paddleboard in the middle of some water. 
um, and aerial yoga, which is basically yoga using a sort of trapeze-like device. So you're doing a lot of yoga poses in thin air. Looks easier than it is. I've been doing yoga now for 20 years. I've been teaching yoga for five years. And I would say, you know, I'm pretty much involved and in, into the yoga world. And even now me, I struggle with these terminologies with what exactly is the difference between a Hatha class and a forest yoga class. Aerial yoga is an interesting class. It's a modern style of yoga that incorporates a low-hanging soft fabric hammock as well as a mat. Moves are done on a combination of mat and hammock or just the hammock. When I did it, I did it with Nick. There was only four of us in the class. Nick, who was a yoga teacher, a German girl who was a yoga teacher and the yoga teacher. I'm not a yoga teacher and I'm not even a particularly good yoga student. I realised I was more out of my depth than a dolphin summiting Mount Everest. The teacher asked me to test the hammock by sitting on it and then spinning around 360 degrees in the air to see whether my head touched the ground as I spun past the floor. This didn't seem the most safety conscious way of testing a hammock. So I spun 360 degrees, my head flew past the mat, my hair nearly touched the floor. The teacher realised at that point I needed a higher hammock. He adjusted it just high enough to remove the risk of decapitation. It kept it low enough so there was still a chance of serious head trauma. Got to keep these classes exciting. All joking aside, aerial yoga was an amazing experience. Um, I've never had a class that's worked my core so much. Um, in fact, for the next couple of days I felt like I'd been a punch bag for Tyson Fury. But what it does show is that there is yoga classes out there for everyone in all shapes and sizes and in all forms and I would encourage you to go out and try as many different types of class as possible. It's important to realise that yoga is about a lot more than fancy moves. As much as people think that yoga is about touching your toes or doing cartwheels and things like that, um, it's actually yoga is a breath practice. So it's not about throwing shapes, it's about focusing on your breath. So the reason for that is that really understanding your breath and how your breath relates to your body um, is really, really important. Um, and that's particularly important actually for athletes when um, you're exerting yourself a lot um, and, and using your breath a lot for, um, for your running, for your swimming, for your cycling. So the reason we focus on the breath in yoga is that when we breathe slowly and deeply and calmly, we're engaging what you call your parasympathetic ner nervous system. So also known as your rest and digest function. And that's where we want to be if we want to be in a calm state where we're making rational decisions um, and digesting our food and being just generally relaxed. Contrary to that is your um, is when you go into your sympathetic nervous system and that's when you're doing exercises, most likely like running and cycling where you're breathing very rapidly. Um, you're, you then go into what is called your um, your fight or flight or freeze mode. Um, so when we're just breathing into the chest like we are when we're running, when we're cycling, um, we can sort of be stimulating this response in our brain that we're running from the tiger, that, you know, running from that tiger that, that we talk about. Um, 
And the idea with yoga is that by um, using a very deep breath and a very calm breath is that we're actually very we're, we're bringing the body back into our rest and digest function, which is really where we want to be most of the time. Um, so it's interesting from a triathlete point of view that actually if you're feeling very stressed or you're feeling anxious, then just by actually engaging uh, for a couple of minutes in really deep nice conscious breathing you can come back into a place of centeredness and calmness so really our breath dictates what our body is doing and that's what yoga is all about do you need to put aside a lot of time to do yoga so a lot of um, yoga classes that you'll find um, in yoga studios and even online um, they tend to be about an hour or an hour and 15 minutes which I appreciate can be a big commitment um, in an evening if you've got lots of other commitments going on and family commitments and things. Um, I wouldn't be put off by that. Um, I think sometimes it can be really beneficial just to have a 10 or 15 minute practice. Um, I get up most mornings and I'll just do 15 minutes of just very gentle stretching, um, a little bit of sitting, just breathing exercises, a little bit of meditation. And that's really how I start most of my mornings. Um, I think it's really, really important for me just to be grounded at the start of the day like that. And it, realistically, thinking of doing that for an hour in the morning, I probably wouldn't bother doing it. But if I've, it's just 10 minutes or 15 minutes, then it's an easy thing to fit into my day and it's an easy thing for most people to fit into their day. Is yoga suitable for everyone? People think they have to be flexible to do yoga, and that's so not the case. Um, it's not about that whatsoever. It's just about how you feel at the end of the class. Do you feel more open, more relaxed, and more at ease, and then it worked for you? And just do not worry about your level of flexibility whatsoever. All those benefits, strength, flexibility, will happen in time. If you, if you come from a strong background, start with the strong practices, and yeah. then you can move on to the relaxed ones because then you can, like one day you can do a strong one, the next one day you can do a relaxed one and they really balance each other out really well. And if you, if you go to a class, especially if you're a triathlete and it's not strong enough or hard enough or challenge enough and you're kind of bored, try a different one because there is definitely a wide range and you can get, if you start doing a stanga, even at breakrooms, you will be challenged. Like, there's no question that you'll come out of that going, that wasn't something that's, you know, every part of your body is going to feel that time yoga is so personal it is yeah. your unique your experience that's that's right and you can get out of it whatever you want if i wanted to know more about yoga is there any websites books or classes that they would recommend yeah there's the there's a, an app called mind body um which you can use to book onto yoga classes and if there's it's got a search facility so you can see find me a yoga class within five miles or 10 miles or 15 miles um, so wherever you are you should be able to find a class that's relatively local to you so two different classes that i enjoy in glasgow um are merchant city yoga that's my sort of home studio if you like um they are really good at offering um, Ashtanga classes for all different levels. Um, and they've also got some Hatha classes um, and uh, Yin Yoga, which is a sort of very deep, nice relaxation style. Um, I also really like Shanti Yoga. That was one of the first studios that I went to in Glasgow. Um, and she offers, offers more of a sort of Vinyasa style. Um, and again, she's got a Yin offering as well. So most studios, like so the ones I mentioned, have 
um, we'll tend to have an online offering, um, which is really one of the good things that's come out of COVID, um, is that you can do yoga in your bedroom or wherever you want um, in your home. Um, but if you don't want to sign into an actual class that's done via Zoom or whatever, um, then Yoga with Adrienne is a really good offering on YouTube. Um, most people have heard of her. She offers all sorts of levels of ability. She's really likeable and she makes yoga super straightforward. Um, I really love India. I lived in India for a year and India, as most of you will probably know, is the home of yoga. It was where yoga was founded many, many centuries ago. Um, so anything to do with India, I just love reading about to get a feel for the place. So books like Shantaram um, or The White Tiger, they just sort of take me right back there. And I just I love I love reading them. Yoga is it on the Internet. Is it on I am books? aware of yoga with Adrian, but I've actually never done her class my wife's done them and she says they're great and i have heard other people say they're great so i'm sure it's a great first place to visit for me um i i come from a bit i, I like to challenge myself a little bit more and like a, a stronger practice so adrian was a little bit I, I presume she's a little bit gentle so for people especially triathletes they might be interested in a guy called brian kest brian kest k-e-s-t He's on YouTube. He's got some great uh, yoga videos and they're kind of based around power yoga, which sounds like it's just a physical workout, but it really is about all aspects of fitness. You're going to work your stamina, your flexibility, your balance, your strength, and obviously with the yoga aspects and the breathing, you're working your mind. So definitely Brian Kest. There's another guy called Travis Elliott. So there are two people you could check on YouTube and it's a great first place to start. Because I think so many people have the idea that yoga is this just soft and gentle, which absolutely can be, but there's that whole other aspect of it, of the challenging and the physical, which can be really good too. Um, so if you're interested, definitely have a look on YouTube, try out a few different videos and see if this is something that is interesting to you. And then if so, I would definitely recommend that just get into a yoga class. There's a big difference between a YouTube video at home and be in a class with a room full of people. So that would mean just have a search in your local area, uh, find if there's any classes on about. For example, I'm doing classes. We run six classes a week in the Bears Den Hub, me and my wife. Uh, we're called Fire Yoga. So we do do an emphasis on sort of physical, strong yoga practices, but also there's a different class. We've got a water class and um, an earth class, which is all about calming and feeling nice and grounded. But come along to the class and you'll see the difference in the energy when you're with a teacher teaching you. It just takes it to the next level and give it a go. So then the second thing is to try your first class. If, it's, if you don't like it, if it's too weak or not strong enough, try a different class. Don't give up on your first class. And then if you enjoy the class, what I would strongly suggest is go maybe two to three times a week for about a month because that's when you really see the benefits. So yoga is cumulative. So you do one class, you feel good. You do the second class, you go even better. Third class, fourth class. So then what you do at the end of the month, you want to compare how you felt at the start of the month compared to the end. Are you more relaxed? Are you sleeping better? Are you able to handle the stress of your kids a bit better? Anything like that. So and once you do a month, and once you do like two, three times a week, four months, you start to really notice the benefits. And I think at that point, that's when you can make a decision that this is for me, I'm really enjoying this. If you're a triathlete, you might find that you're running better, you're more calm or relaxed before a race. You might find you've got better stamina. So there's lots of benefits. 
but you have to try it out. I mean, we can talk all day the cows come home about how it makes you feel good, but unless you actually notice yourself how it feels and, and you feel the benefits yourself, you're not really going to get it. So that's what I'd strongly suggest. Ask Nick more about our experience in India. I was in India for a year doing a VSO or Voluntary Service Overseas Project, um, working for a non-governmental organisation over there. Um, and while I was there, um, yeah, I did do a lot of yoga. Um, but yoga in India is very different to what we see as yoga um, in the West. In India, I say that I'm going to an Ashtanga yoga class. Indians would sort of scorn at that and say that that was a very Western approach to yoga. So... I wonder why that is. I think it's because, say, an Ashtanga class is a very physical practice. So I think in India they have this idea that um, Western people are very obsessed with the physical body and that's why we have this idea that yoga is a very physical practice, like sort of just, you know, throwing shapes in a room, if you like. So in the more traditional sense, yoga is, um, not to get too spiritual about it, but it's just this idea that, we're connecting the mind, the body and the spirit. So it's not just a physical practice. It also involves probably some rituals like cleansing exercises, um, breathing exercises, meditation, a little bit of simple, gentle movement. Um, but it basically for them all comes back to um, a little bit of a religious practice, a little bit of a spiritual and religious practice. So it's much deeper than just this idea of physical shape-shifting. Yeah, since then I've been back to India twice and um, both times I've gone on yoga retreats or yoga courses. Um, the first time I went to a yoga, a very famous yoga centre in Goa called Purple Valley and that's famous for, it, it's it's an Ashtanga retreat um, so it gets visiting Ashtanga teachers from all over the world um, that come and you practice with them every day um, in, a, in a big room. Um, the other time I went for our honeymoon and um, we went to an Ashtanga, uh, no, sorry, not Ashtanga, we went to a, a yoga retreat that was just, it was actually run by an Australian girl um, and it was much more like different styles of yoga um, and just, just a bit gentler and a bit nicer. So a typical day in a yoga retreat would probably look like um, getting up in the morning and having a practice in the morning before you have any breakfast. So um, at Purple Valley, for example, I think we started practicing about half six in the morning and your practice might last until eight or half eight or nine. It depends how long you want to practice for. Um, then you'd have really nice wholesome breakfast, lots of uh, sort of fruit, uh, vegetables, just nice uh, real food, wholesome food, coffee, probably. Um, and then you'd largely probably have a free section later in the morning, have a bit of lunch. Um, and then you would most likely have afternoon workshops um, which maybe zoomed in or focused in on certain postures. So, for example, you might have um, a workshop all about improving your back bends or you might have a workshop all about improving core strength or you might have like a meditation workshop. Um, so something that just explores one part of the practice and does it in a little bit more depth followed by maybe some just a bit of time off doing some reading a bit of time at the beach uh, watching the sunset it's gorgeous um and a nice dinner just with friends everybody else on the retreat um early to bed because you're up early the next morning i'd say most yoga retreats will cater for all abilities um likes of the purple valley 
they have certain retreats where beginners are welcome. They've got other retreats where you need to have a basic level of understanding um, of their Ashtanga practice. So it's really just about finding a retreat centre that is suited for you, your needs, your desires, what you want to learn um, and the level of your current practice. I did a yoga class in India. Before it started, the yoga teacher asked me, do you need a yoga mat? Yes, thanks, I replied. The yoga teacher got one from his cupboard. Before he handed it to me, he spotted a dead mouse on the floor. He used the end of the mat to move the dead mouse along the floor to a corner of the room. He then handed me the mat. That shows that Indian yoga is very practical. The yoga teacher was an elderly man in a leather jacket and scarf. He didn't remove the leather jacket until halfway through the practice. The scarf lasted until the end. Again, he was very practical. No sweaty Betty or posh yoga brands for him. He wore something he was comfortable in and something that kept him warm. He had a nice manner and a gentle voice. He started by saying, We will begin with 15 minutes of meditation. Lie down in your mat and concentrate on the silence. The silence was swiftly broken by the crazy frog ringtone of his mobile phone. A minute later, his phone went ping due to a text message. Shortly after that, it rang again. Later, it gave off a weird cosmic sound. Maybe the yoga gods were trying to reach him. But again, it shows the simultaneous spiritual and practical side of yoga. Yes, meditate, but don't miss out on any important phone calls or messages. The class I tend to do more than others is Ashtanga. That is the one Nick described as a set series of poses. It's either taught as a lead class or as a Mysore class. Richard Kerr can explain a little bit more about that. Ashtanga, for me personally, is great that way because you can really see your progress um, and it is a hard practice. There's many, many moves. And just as soon as you get used to one sequence, the teacher will come along and introduce new, harder postures for you to challenge you, keep you going. So you're always pushing yourself. You're always exploring yoga. And absolutely for people who are into like triathletes who like that fire, that burn, that energy, it's a really, really good practice. Basically, you want to start off with a lead class because it's teaching you the sequence, it's teaching you the postures, the alignments. And once you start to get confident and comfortable with that, there's a thing called a Mysore, which when I first heard of this idea, I thought this is crazy. But the idea is you, you go into a room and the teacher doesn't teach. The teacher just walks around the class and helps adjust you individually in your postures. So you're going at your own pace with your own breath. And my first thought was, well, why am I paying money to go to a yoga studio to just do something I can do at home by myself? But when you actually go into a Mysore class, there's like 20 people sort of scrammed, well, used to be crunched together. I don't know how to do it now post-COVID. Um, but the energy of the room, the, you can hear the sound of everyone breathing. And to me, it actually kind of reminds me of jogging. I used to love doing my 10K runs, when, especially at the start of the race, when everyone's just clumped together and you can hear that breathing and the, the sound of the footsteps on the ground. It's really like a tribal primitive experience. It's really, I, I love it. And it's kind of similar to that. You really get into the sort of zone. It really helps you focus. And it, it's, it's when I started doing my source, when I realized yoga is not just about physical exercise, it's about something deeper. And you start to really enjoy exploring that as well. Yeah, I try, I've done one Mysore class. Um, <laughs> it's not, but the first time you do it, it's a nightmare. You're like, I'm doing this wrong. Everybody's looking at me. I feel like an idiot. But there was a lot of that going yes. on. And your brain's um, like going la 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 la. Like, and that's yeah. all part of it. It's all like the Mysore challenges you to face these thoughts running through your head of like, I'm stupid, I can't do this, I'm not bent enough, I'm not strong enough. 
and you have to sort of sit with it. You're not being distracted by the teacher. You are breathing and it's just you and your thoughts in the class. And that's part of the challenge is learning to just be comfortable with that part of yourself and eventually starts to quieten down. But it's all part of the experience. Yeah. So why do people do it? Why do people pay money to go to these rooms to just sweat and breathe and they don't get a chance to be sociable? It's because it just feels so good. And that's really, I think, the bottom line to all of yoga is, well, from my personal experience, you know, I, I used to run a lot. Um, I did a few marathons, used to do CrossFit. But I always came back to yoga because, you know, a run, you'd feel good afterwards. CrossFit, you'd feel good afterwards. But yoga, you'd feel good afterwards and the next day. And you'd sleep better. And you'd wake up in the morning going, I feel really rested. And if you did it over the month, you'd really start to notice I feel calmer and more relaxed and more at ease in my body and all these lovely little benefits will start to just bubble up to the surface. I asked them both how they became yoga teachers. So my wife was planning to do a 200 hour yoga teacher training uh, qualification and about a month beforehand she got an injury in her back um, which is absolutely fine now but because of that she wasn't able to do the teacher training and she says well do you want to do it? I'm like have you already paid your deposit? And she's like, yep, we can't get it back. And I'm like, well, I guess I, I, guess I might as well do it then, <laughs> purely for financial benefit. Um, and and it was really good, actually. It was 200 hours, and you explore deeper into yoga. And um, it just gives you a better appreciation and understanding of the lineage and where it all comes from. So I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think everybody in the course absolutely loved it too because, you know, if, like, doing anything in a group, and you go sort of go on a journey together, it can be really nourishing. And we all bonded really well as a group and became great friends because of that. So afterwards, I think there was like 20 on the group. And I would say 15 of them actually started teaching classes, which is a lot, a real lot. Because you think about university, you do like a degree and some sort of qualification and nobody gets a job in it. Maybe one person the whole year. Um, so yeah, 15 people started teaching and we all went out there. And, uh, you know, some people, many of them are still doing it. And I think, you know, the real, a real good job or anything that doesn't, never feels like a job is, is the best job to have. And for a lot of yoga people, I know for myself, it, it's not a job. You do it, like I would do it for free. Um, and I'm not really worried, as long as you make enough income to cover, you know, keep food on the table for my kids. Um, so I think that's why people enjoy it so much. They enjoy giving it back. It's a pleasurable thing to do that it's just easy, you know, it's easy. So the teacher training that I did and also that Richard did um, was a 200 hour yoga teaching qualification. So if you want to become a yoga teacher, you have got to do a 200 hour qualification. The one specific one that we did was over one year and it was one, we had to commit to one weekend a month for a year. Um, I personally think it was a really good way to do it because over that year you gained a lot of knowledge and you gained a lot more confidence in the practice so um, it was a sort of it was a long-term commitment if you like but there's lots of other ways that you can do teacher training um, lots of people do like a, a month-long immersion which is done in India or Portugal or loads of countries all over the world um, where you can basically just book onto I think it's a three-week or a four-week immersion program and you can come away as a yoga teacher. Once you've got your teacher training, you're pretty much good to go. You just have to get um, professional liability insurance, um, which I got through the Yoga Alliance. It gave me confidence and it gave me better understanding of the whole scope of yoga, the kind of a framework of reference. Um, because otherwise, I think it's good to do a course because 
you do want to know what you're talking about to some degree. And even though we're all did the same course, we all came out different instructors because we all gravitate to different aspects of yoga. So for me, I'm all about the experience of the actual class and how you feel. Whereas my wife, Ali, she loves getting deep into the more um, psychology of yoga and using people who have trauma or have illness or disabilities and then using yoga to heal. So that's something she got much more interested in. Um, but I think doing a broad spectrum yoga training gives you sort of a, a taster of different aspects of yoga. And then afterwards, if you want to like specialize in particular areas, that's open to you. Triathlon Club offers a number of coaching opportunities. You can do a level one, two or three triathlon course. If you are interested, please speak to one of the coaches or speak to Sean Webster, the head coach. Um, it can seem quite intimidating to think about doing coaching. So ask them both, how was your first class? Like you're nervous and you're scared and you're unsure of yourself and it's intimidating. And especially if you have your yoga teachers in the class or the person who taught you in the class. And it does take a while, for sure, to find your feet. And I think in my first class, I wrote out every word I was going to say, and like I learned the script, just to go like, just to find the words and how to describe things. How do you describe someone in the postures? Like, what what do I say? So my brain had to work through this process. And yeah, so doubting yourself, not thinking you're, you can do this, not thinking you're qualified enough, is absolutely just comes part and parcel. You're going to feel that way. It's expected. So as long as you kind of expect that you're going to feel underqualified, it kind of kind of makes it like, oh, well, this is going to happen. So it's not so bad when it does happen. And as long as you give yourself um, leeway to be, you know, to just realize that the, tr the real training starts when you start to teach the yoga qualifications just to sort of get you, get the ball rolling. But as long as you take the first year or two, to go, I'm just learning more. This is more of me training, depth in my knowledge and not being so hard on yourself. If you do have a class that's not so great, um, it can really go a long way. So go easy on yourself and consider all the way learning. And yeah, I think, and I think, you know, you're always well more self-conscious of yourself than the people in the class. Like you'll think to yourself, oh, that wasn't a great, great a class, but people will go, that was brilliant, I loved it. And like you might've made a mistake or said something wrong and they won't even notice. So they're all wrapped up in themselves and what they're doing in their sequence, and they don't, they're not thinking about you. So I think I remember. That. I think I went. I went to one of your classes, and you, you, at the end, you said, "Oh, I forgot a whole sequence." That's right. And I went, "I didn't notice because yeah, I, right. I don't know yeah. that sequence was coming up." So only you were the only person in the class who noticed that. And beating yourself up, yeah. <laughs> and then beating yourself up over something nobody nobody would have realized. I always like to strip everything down to its most simplest. Because you can get lost in the woods and the weeds and all these different thoughts. So basically, are you enjoying it? Are you having a good time? And that's it. You know, you know, is it something that nourishes you? And then if that's the case, then people will recognize that when they come to the class. They'll see that you're enjoying yourself and they'll enjoy themselves more. And, you know, that's it. Keep it simple. The first class that I taught was in Lennox Town in the Memorial Hall, the, the um, Village Hall and loads of people turned up it was there was probably about 40 people there and the room fitted about 20. um i remember feeling really terrified like a huge fraud um and i had a rough idea of what i was going to do but i think i had to change it quite drastically in order to accommodate everybody and just different body types um and people's abilities 
So it just shows you the importance of, as a yoga teacher, you always have to cater for your audience. You always have to think on your feet and really a plan never quite turns out the way that you thought it would. And if you're interested in finding out more about either Richard or Nick, you can find them as follows. So we're called Fire Yoga, spelled F-Y-R-E, yoga.co.uk. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. We're just trying to simplify yoga down, not get too caught up in all the sort of terminology. And by basing our classes around the elements, it's quite simple. So it's like fire is like your strong class and you're going to get some heat. Earth is more grounding. Air is gentle and flowing with breath. And water is like our meditative sort of still class. I'm not currently teaching yoga at the moment, but yoga is something that I think is all-encompassing. So really, once you've got a bit of a yoga mind, you bring that into every element of your life. Um, For a living, I do garden design, planting design, and you can find out more about me at thebonnygardener.co.uk. Yoga is a vast subject. Different people have different experiences. But I hope that by listening to Richard and Nick, you've got a little taste of what yoga offers. Yoga for me is about spending time bringing awareness to my mind and body. If I do yoga before a race, I perform better and I recover quicker afterwards. If you're interested in finding out more, then I recommend the book Sit Down, Be Quiet by Michael Wong. Kate Pearson will be back next month. If you get a chance, check out the November Swim Challenge. All you have to do to enter is to attend a club session. Thanks for listening.